Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to the 30th episode spectacular. Now that I have completely oversold this episode, I am one of your hosts, Creep, and this is in front of me. <laughs> Jallo. Oh. hands up and down. Oh, are we introducing ourselves? Okay. I will introduce you. This okay. is Chris. Hi, everyone. This is Eric. Hello. And we're the Spirit Squad. <laughs> All right. Creeper, uh, we are a female. Yeah. You're a female. You're a female. Oh, you're, you're a female. You're <laughs> a female. Yeah, I am the the corpse formerly known as Mr. Creep Creeperson. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So that happened this week. Facebook killed me, and that's it. Unceremoniously, we didn't even get to have a funeral. Yeah, I, he... I said I typed the word "Facebook Nazi" into a post, and the next thing I knew, I was Facebookless. <laughs> now you don't know what to do with yourself. Well, actually, I'm much more productive <laughs> in a lot more things then. So this might the freedom you haven't felt. Yeah, but like a phoenix rising from the ashes, you have appeared on this podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that happened. <laughs> Just call me yes. Jean Grey. Jean, well, we hey, didn't need Facebook to get, the, Hi, Jean. To, to get the 30 episodes on Jello Chow Chow. It's yeah. pretty important. Bring it back. Yeah, I'm trying. And it's oversell awesome. it. 30 episodes and we picked the perfect movie to do so because it's my choice. <laughs> Wait in the dark. Oversell and underdeliver. Just like Blade in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Chris let everyone know his feelings pretty early on. Did you, Chris? I might have missed that because Facebook killed me. Uh, well, Something about liking the movie a little more when it was... Something when it, else? When it was named Tenebrae? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> um, 
Well, I mean, we can talk about this for a second. What ended up happening was um, I was really, really excited about the idea that it was a Friday. I hadn't watched the film ever, and I was ready to sit down in front of my big 46-inch HD TV penis and watch the film. And, of course, on Friday night I fell asleep watching the interview uh, which wasn't bad from what I saw of it, but I didn't watch all of it. And uh, on Saturday night, I ended up falling asleep again. So last night, I finally put the film on, but of course, I've got to get up at like quarter to five on Monday morning, so I, I managed about 30 minutes of the film before I ended up falling asleep. And I, I put a little picture of me with my feet crossed and my slippers on, like watching the movie, saying, hey, look at me, I'm watching the movie. Um, well, that's where you went all wrong. You had your feet crossed up on a thing. You're all laying down almost watching it. Yeah, well, no, I was sitting up. Like, I have my couch set up so that I can I can, uh, ex- like, I can, can like, extend and lounge my feet out, but I can still sit upright. Very nice. But it, it didn't really matter because I didn't make it. And uh, then I ended up watching the rest of it at work on my computer monitor before anybody noticed that I was watching a horror movie instead of working and uh, and then ended up writing the uh, Jalo score article right then and there because it was fresh so nice that, that is my update <laughs> well I actually thought I had already seen this movie and then I watched it and I was like I don't think I've ever seen this movie <clears throat> but I thought for sure I had. And, um, no. Is yours called Tenebrae, too? No, I, I know. Oh. I, I remember Tenebrae a lot. Okay. That, that's, that's one of those movies that hold a dear place in my heart. Yeah. But this was not that movie. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean by it, though. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just like, fuck. I could have sworn I've seen this before. But, no. It was brand spanking new. And... A hundred and an hour and fifty one minutes later, I was <laughs> done watching it. Yeah. 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 I watched it on an exercise ball to make sure that I stayed awake. Ooh. Uh late at night. No, I I sat on a couch as well. But I was I was able to watch it in one sitting and first time watch for myself as well. Though I I think eighties Italian horror uh, those are kind of my gateway into the Giallo film, New York Ripper, Demons, uh, all those. You know, we did Stage Fight earlier on the show, yeah. so this is kind of up my alley. I, I really kind of enjoy the the aesthetics of these types of films. So maybe I, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it in a little bit. We'll I'm talk sure, about it in a little bit. I'm but, sure. And I'm sure, like you know, if we <clears throat> were going going to offer people a reward for the number of times we mentioned Tenebrae in this episode. Um, you know, really, Tenebrae for me is the quintessential '80s Jalo. It's, it's yeah. just, it's just such a fantastic film. And when I watch this, like I said, it really just reminds me of, of that film. And you what can't... year was Tenebrae? Was that '82? Yeah, okay. and this was '83. And you know, uh, <coughs> both Lamberto Bava and Michelle Suave were assistant directors on Tenebrae, so um, it's obvious. You know that they learned a lot from what they were. You know what they saw, um, but not hardly enough. So you're saying we should have like a 
Should we have like a Tenebrae jar where anytime someone mentions that film, you have to throw a quarter into it? <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be good. And then no, we could like, fund uh, Creeps Return to Facebook that way. Like a swear yeah. jar. It's legal. I got to buy a new name. I'm going to go with um, my Shallow Jallow character, Edwin Fennec, and Edwin see what those Fennec. bastards fucking say. <laughs> I like anyhow, um, did you did you guys want to do the top ten of the last ten before the episode or after the episode? I like before, but I'm open or to... Or during the episode. We could actually do it while we're recording. That would probably be the best way to go. <laughs> you mean before the, the film? Yes. Before or after the film. I like before, but that's just because that's what we've done yeah. in the past. All right. That's a good primer. It's a good primer. That's a good way to look at it. So, do we want to jump in, or is there other shit? There could be other shit happening. I haven't been on Facebook for a week. Right. Um, do yeah, we I don't have, know. I do we have mail? <gasps> oh, you got your package. Yes. Yes, how could I forget? It was almost right after we recorded the last episode when you guys were waiting for me <clears throat> yeah. to get uh, the, uh, the mysterious mail item from uh, Al Owens are corresponded out on the field. And, so tell us all about it. Well, I don't know. I guess I showed you guys what I got, and I know you guys mentioned a few items that you got as well, but I don't know if we all got the exact same things. I myself got two uh, paperback Jello uh, books. Yay! Yeah. So one of them... Sorry, I was reaching for them so I could actually uh, talk a little bit about them. Uh, but one is actually from Edgar Wallace, and it's got the classic yellow covers, um, and they're just a lot of fun to look at. Apparently, I'm going to have to learn how to actually comprehend Italian. I recognize a couple of these words in here, but just a very interesting way of, of publishing one of these books. It's uh, There's like four columns, or two columns a page, yeah, almost. Crazy. So I could, yeah, one of them's the uh, the Mondador, the actual Mondadori uh, publishing company that uh, put those out originally. So that's, that's really cool. I got some currency, some lira. Yeah. And then uh, got a couple, uh, got some DVD copies of a couple of films. Don't and I know there was the, a little uh, controversy you, because you got a couple of films. Don't well, forget the Jatoni. Two films you, on the same desk. Did you get the the Jatoni? Yeah. Wait. Is that the phone booth token? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yep, got the yep. phone booth tokens. Got the phone booth tokens that we talked about a couple episodes ago. So cool. Yeah, definitely. I was trying to explain it to my wife, and I mean, she thought it was okay, but she didn't understand the significance. I don't it. know what the pot, the like probability is, but there is a definite probability that one of our phone tokens, if not all of them, were actually used in one of these movies. <laughs> well, there's certainly a probability, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I wonder if they have, like, serial numbers on them that we could somehow track down. When you have <clears> eliminated... Any way I could pull a fingerprint off of it. Yes. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. What's that from? Tenebrae. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> well, it's from Ag in the I think it's from Agatha Christie, but you know, or no, I'm sorry, um, The Hound of the Baskervilles. So Arthur Conan Doyle, right? Arthur, yes. 
<laughs> you are correct, sir. So anyway, yeah, we want to thank Al for that. I know he went out of his way. He really had to uh, do a lot of work to get those phone tokens for us, it sounded like. Yeah, thank you, Al. Yeah, was that awesome. was super cool. So yeah, I guess the people, man. apparently people give you weird looks over there if you ask them to dig up some old tokens for you. Well, and we should also mention, too, that one of the things that Al did was he went through House with Laughing Windows and redid all the subs. Yes. So yep, that's and, one of the copies we got. Yeah, and I haven't gotten to watch it yet. I'm excited to do so, though. Right. Because I really want to know what they're talking about. <laughs> totally. Totes. That, yeah, was just, guess... that was such an awesome thing to get, so... Uh, no, you never thought you. when you'd start a start a goofy, fun little podcast with your buddies that people would be <clears> sending <throat> you stuff from across the ocean. So hell yeah, yeah. And I have Edwidge's fucking phone token. It's yep. legit. I think I've got Barbara Boucher's. It might be the same phone token that the catapult used in a scene Ooh, that I want that one from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you 50,000 lira for that. <laughs> so cool. <clears throat> Alrighty. Um, did we get any other... Um, did you guys get any feedback or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. You know, actually, I have an email uh, that I got from somebody. I'm not sure if they came through my website or if they came through uh, the podcast, but... Um, we got a couple of suggestions for um, uh, modern-day, non-Italian films that fit the Giallo theme. Um, the first being Basic Instinct. Ooh. Uh, the second one being Magnum Force with uh, Clint Eastwood. Ooh. And I think That's those are. I think one. both of those are great suggestions. So I'd like to uh, throw those up there as uh, potential films uh not necessarily for the podcast but for my website for sure uh i'm gonna tackle those two along with um dress to kill the brian de palma oh, film so good uh which i've never seen so i, I remember That's seeing so good. i remember seeing basic instinct a while ago and magnum force i've seen a thousand times That's a great movie yeah. um but i wanted to say thanks to um simon uh, who uh, sent uh, me this email and said, um, take a look at these two uh, films and tell me what you think. See if they, uh, you know, how they rank or stack up to the Jalo criteria. So it, it'll be fun. I, I, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. we have, there's a ton of Jalo uh, left um, for my site to cover and for us to cover here on the podcast. But there's always the, the things that... Uh, kind of linger on the fringe um, that just pay homage to um, the Jalo uh, that are also fun to, uh, to, to to pick apart and to take a look at. So, And, and of course, I'm really ex looking forward to the, I think it's called S the name of the book that just came out that I ordered. It's not so, it's, it's a take on one of the Lindsay films, but I've can't remember the title of it it's either so sweet so perverse or so deadly so perverse whichever one is not yeah. the Lindsay film um i've been following that as well the progress of that book and it was just finally published i guess 
Yeah, Ooh, I'm excited. So I ordered that, and uh, I'll be excited to um, to get get a hold of that because it's nice to have a uh, like a uh, you know like a tome. I've been reading, and you should see my copy of Adrian Luther Smith's uh, Blood and Black Lace. Uh, it's really um, torn to pieces. All the pages are falling out because I've, I've just paged through that thing a zillion times ever since I got it. So um, I like that book a lot, but it'll be nice to um, have something else as another sort of compendium to refer to. So, yeah. So Deadly, So Perverse, 50 Years of Italian Giallo Films by Troy nice. Hollis. So yeah, I guess he's, on, he's, this, is it this edition that's doing first 10 years or something like that, 63 to 73? Oh, is it broken up like it's that? 63 to 73 and then um, 74 to 2014. So okay. I mean, clearly, the bulk of uh, the bulk of the offerings will be in the first book. The first book will probably be more interesting if you're interested in the classic period. But uh, uh, is for, it available in ebook? Do you know? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. I mean, the the, the <laughs> it it would have to be um, something on an iPad though, because I, I I get the impression that. It's more of a magazine layout than a novel kind of layout. Um, and there's there's a lot there's a lot of movie graphics and a lot of poster, uh, re, you know, re reproductions and whatnot. So, all right, then that's worth it. Oh, definitely. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Well, now it's time for us to jump feet first into our top 10 of the last 10. And as you know, if you've been listening, every 10 episodes, we do this. And this is the third time, because this is episode 30. There you go. Who it's needs a, a jingle? It's a new math. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> let's do it like the girls do, and start from the bottom. And work our way up. Now, start with the youngest as well? Huh? Oh, I thought you were still talking about... Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, coming in at number 10, we have Slaughter Hotel. Ooh. It's actually surprising to me. What did you guys think number 10 was going to be? Well, well, my, I thought the sister of Ursula yeah, all the way. That was my uh, that was my number 10. Yeah. Um, so, Slaughter Hotel. Uh, Eric, I think you had this at number 9, and you also had it at number 9, right, Chris? Correct. Yeah. So I don't know how it comes in at number 10 when it averages... Well, I had it at number six. So, wow. there we go. <laughs> I don't understand the math. Then. <laughs> what? I don't understand the math. And, and for all three of us, we none of us put it at number 10, but it came out at number 10. It's it, the weighted thing. It's the bell curve. It's oh, the bell curve. oh, I see, I see. Yeah, that crazy yeah. bell curve. We have, we have this of... conversation every time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
No, it's cool. I haven't um, caught on yet. <laughs> and um, it's not—it's not a straight average, right, yeah. creep? It's kind of like it's a give it system. It's a point system. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. It, it works. It's better than the BCS used to be. So right. everything's exactly. all good here. Um, so yeah, and then I guess there's not a whole lot to say about that. Um, although I apparently liked it a little bit more than you guys did. Go for well, I will say it was at 10 on my list for the longest time up until about last week. Um, when I watched, I finally watched the, uh, the Raro video cut of it, the full cut that you guys got. And I thought you guys were exaggerating about it, the amount of, cl- uh, gynecological <laughs> close up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was very shocked by that, but overall, <laughs> obviously the, uh, that moved it up a notch in your book. Yeah, yeah that's all it needed. Nine. No, it was. I think I just I was able to follow the story, the plot, the little what little there was of it, and the the colors um, were a lot clearer, and I was able to just really, you know, get into it a little bit more. Um, I, I think uh, Klaus Kinski was still pretty dead in it as yeah. far as his performance. That didn't help. Um, but it did uh, jump up a, just a slight hair above. I won't say what kind of hair, but it's oh, just a little sure. bit Early. higher than <laughs> higher than sister for me. I just um, think it's out of the movies we did this time. It was one of the funner movies, yeah. like with or without the raunchy cooter cleavage and all that fun stuff. Like I just thought it was just. Uh, it was a fun romp. Yeah, I mean, um, if I think back to the remaining nine, is this kind of seems to be the only really super trashy uh, movie of the lot, with the exception oh. of, of Ursula, obviously. But I can't... What other trashy stuff did we have? I can't remember now. Not a whole lot. Right. I mean, we had a movie called Perversion Story, but it wasn't trashy by any means. Yeah, it wasn't. Let down. Well, let's jump into number nine, which is Sister of Ursula. Yeah, pretty interchangeable. And and you guys might be thinking, how? Because you guys both had this at number ten. I actually put it at number two. Holy. <laughs> now, before you guys fire me from the show, let me just explain myself. You're just a trying bit here. to be controversial. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> this was seriously the funnest movie out of the 10 we did. It was one that I watched and was just like taken aback almost the whole time. Just like, <gasps> I just like couldn't believe it. There was a lot of pretty decent looking outfits but the scenery the landscape all that stuff was great the story was ridiculous and it was just fun and then it was so ridiculous that i actually had to show a couple people the movie so i ended up watching it like three or four times in the last couple months and um it was just a really fun popcorn movie it was just i really had a lot of fun with it it when i first watched it i pretty much hated it but Uh um after sitting through it over and over again, it's just, it's almost like eyeball to me now. You know, it's just so ridiculous and so much fun. It's really, so. it's really a shame that you, that you defaced and insulted eyeball by 
like that. <laughs> I obviously like Eyeball a lot more, but it's in the same category of a movie I could probably watch over and over again and never get sick of. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's I did probably... say that out loud, people. <laughs> it's it's one that probably does take a couple rewatches to really get, but that's kind of how it was explained to me, and that's why I picked it. Uh, the, the person I heard kind of talking it up kind of said a lot of the same things as you, and that's why I opted to recommend it for us to discuss, where yeah, it was just a lot of fun. He played it for his friends, watched it multiple times, and uh, just thought it was so ridiculous and over the top that it was... It totally, totally is, dude. Yeah. It's funny. So. If you guys haven't seen it, those of you who are listening, watch it. No, don't. In a, in a room full of people. Don't do it. Don't do it by yourself. You might end up touching things. Um, so. <laughs> Maybe wait till next Christmas with the family. Yes. Definitely watch it with grandma. Uh, <laughs> so, number eight. Do, 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 a Blade in the Dark. Okay. <gasps> okay. 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 I can, I can um, see that. I put this at number ten on my list and we'll find out why when the when we get to it Eric's put it at number three wow and Chris put it at number seven once again the voice of reason is coming comes in so I'm the one that skewed this one <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it but number seven and I don't think this was a big shocker um, maybe a little bit but my dear killer I had this at um, number nine. Eric had it at seven, and Chris had it at number three. Yeah, I had it higher, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a slightly forgettable movie to me, except for a couple key parts. And there just wasn't a whole lot happening in it. Too many people. Almost. This was the one with all the different people, right? Going back and forth. You kind of lost track of who's who. Which yeah, I mean, the one where George Hilton's voice actor talked a lot. Uh huh. A lot. Yes, but don't forget, it featured one of the best opening kills of all Giallo. Yes. Definitely did. did. <laughs> which is why it beat out a Blade in the Dark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't like that opening scene? Oh, I guess we'll talk about it. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. We'll talk about it. You're a female. Okay, number six. Um, I was actually a little shocked by this, but the Pajama Girl case. Ooh. Um, I had this at number eight. Chris had it at number eight. And Eric had it at number two. Wow. <laughs> so, for anyone making fun of me for Sister Reversal at number two, Eric picked Pajama Girl case for number two. All because of the music. I was just going to say, the only reason why that didn't end up at the bottom was the music on that. It was so good. I don't know. I watched this one a couple times, and it, it hooked me on the second time. I don't know. Uh, I got a thing I got to think where the lead the lead actress in that one. Yeah, she's not bad on the eyes. And um, Detective Thompson, or Timson, or whatever his name is, um, he kind of grew on me like a yeah. itchy, itchy fungus. <laughs> yeah, um, I have. Five. I have to say, if we're talking about Pajama Girl case, I I just have to break in and say that um, doing the podcast really um, made me appreciate it more. Um, I uh, 
I thought it was the worst film ever. The first time I saw it, I said, this is a terrible Jalo. I never want to see it again. And um, it turned out to be a lot better uh, after watching it two more times. So uh, I thought that was, uh, I thought it was, it was worthy of what we ended up doing because, uh, you know, it, it, the, the great thing about Jalos is they seem to really kind of um, have a second and a third and a fourth life depending on um, how many times you come back to them. And uh, this is definitely one of those films where um, I was really impressed with the film the second time and the third time through where I was impressed with myself for changing my mind is really what it was. So, but yeah. I think if I did this list again, I might even bump it up one more just because of the twists. Because this is probably the one of the better twists in any of these movies. Yeah. But most definitely. And that soundtrack, man. <laughs> Amanda Lear, you are amazing. National treasure. So number five, <laughs> we have Happy Birthday to Me. And this was pretty across the board. Eric had it at four. I had it at seven, and you had it at six, Chris. Did I have it at four? Maybe okay. I did. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I must have messed with my own list <laughs> after I sent it to you. Oh, did you change it? It's looking at like it's at five on, on mine right now, but I think when I sent my original list to you, it didn't have Blade in the Dark on there yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I might have messed it up, but yeah, it's basically the same positioning and um number four we had knife of ice and the funny thing about this is me and chris both picked it at number four and eric you picked it at number eight why so low friend kind of the same reasons i guess you said my dear killer except it was even more forgettable for me i'm trying to think of it's kind of has suffered the same fate as Who Saw Her Die, which is on my master list really low um, because I just didn't connect to it like I thought I might have. Um, Maybe may one of those that needs to take another watch, but I just I don't think I really like the fact that the girl was... Spoiled-er. Yeah. <laughs> but... Just the fact that she, yeah, you know, she didn't talk the whole movie was, I don't know, just kind of braided on me a little bit. And it reminded me of The Girl Who Knew Too Much, um, where it was just kind of, I didn't like the look of it, the the color palette, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I just didn't like the, the scheme of the whole the film. Huh. Felt very old-fashioned. Understood. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I could see that. You're Which right isn't a bad that. thing all the time. I love old black and white movies, but um, let's see here. Number three, we have Perversion Story, and this one I had at number five. Eric had it number five, and Chris had it number two. Yep. So this is a good movie, but it just—I think it's. 
for me a little long. Yeah. That's going to be my critique on it, maybe. It was kind of like one of those where it didn't really have an identity because it was a little bit right before the big craze. So Fulci didn't go all out with it quite yet. Right. So I think that might be what hurt it. Um, number two, we have another non-Jalo, Frenzy. Which I had at three, Chris had at five, and Eric had at six. I just have a lot of fond memories of this movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I had a difficult time ranking this one because I had to put it, I had to rank it as a Jalo and not as a Hitchcock film because really, if we're talking about Hitchcock films, um, compare it against the rest of the films that we looked at. Um, this one comes out on top simply because Hitchcock, as far as I'm concerned, is more technically, you know, adept and um, just a, a better overall uh, filmmaker than um, any of the other people that we feature. I mean, that's arguable, obviously, but uh, I think it's kind of a consensus. But I, I kind of scored Frenzy specifically as a giallo and specifically as something that um, I don't know that I didn't necessarily uh, it wasn't it's not my favorite Hitchcock film it's kind of uh, it's kind of gritty and, and dirty and and not really um, flashy like a giallo is so I kind of put it yeah. down for where, where I don't even remember where I had frenzy where do I have it you had it at five okay And um, for the first time ever in the history of forever, um, we all picked the same number one movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Blood and Black Lace, won by a perfect score landslide. <laughs> so, yeah. And if you want to know why we think Blood and Black Lace is awesome, listen to the last episode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that yeah. when you look at the other films that it's you don't usually see Blood and Black Lace listed in the same kind of list as the rest of the films we have here. So I don't think it really had much of a competition. It just has almost everything that I want in a movie like uh -huh. this. Um, it was a little light on the Furberg, I'm not going to lie, but other than that, this movie came out on top. I don't think you're you're gonna get the Furberg if Mars and involved in it. <laughs> and that just goes to show you that I am style over substance. Yeah. I think is how that goes. I don't know, considering you had right after this one. <laughs> yeah, Sister Versla right smack behind it. <laughs> it. It was it was a lovely, lovely thing. Well, well. <clears throat> so, um, can you guys hear me okay? What? No, I can't. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Because um, I'm sure the recording's fine, but it's a little Cylon-y um, on my end over here. You're uh, On my side, you're coming through when you guys just, are talking. Just fine. Just me. Eric's a little cyborg-y. Okay. Yeah. 
Chris's to the sideboard. Deathcon five. Okay, well, so next week we will announce the listeners' top ten list. So if you want to send us your list, or if you think our list sucked balls, you can um, go to the jalochowchow.com site and go to the contact form and type in, like, saying stuff like, why you guys give creep so much shit? Sister Versal is an amazing film. Things like that. And you could also send your top ten list. It'll never happen. all right well someone has to be the voice of the voiceless around here and it might as well be me so that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that um so why don't uh do you want to play the trailer oh certainly for our feature presentation if you guys if you guys if you guys can stand it here is the trailer for A Blade in the Dark by Lamberto Baba. Can you guys hear it? Composing music for movies. Interesting. Uh, What are you working on now?
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Well, that's so. pretty much the whole plot right there. I guess we don't have to talk about it anymore. Well, why don't you try, E-Rock McGillicuddy? Oh. Go ahead and take that and run with it. I told everyone my new pro wrestler name. Blade <laughs> <clears throat> in the Dark from 1983. Uh, this is an hour, 50 minutes, I think we said. Directed by Lumberto Bava, the son of the late, great Mario Bava, who uh, had done quite a bit of his own work up until this point, working with his father, as well as with uh, Dario Argento uh, on films uh, like Tenebrae, from, I guess, the year earlier. Uh, the, uh, the music composed for this uh, is the uh, DeAngelis brothers, who also did the score to Torso. Music plays a pretty big role in this one, as we'll find out. So, uh, there you go. I guess the uh, the main character's name is Bruno. So mm. I don't know if that's just a coincidence. But uh, he is a composer. He's kind of holed up in this uh, Italian villa to compose the next great score to uh, the latest Italian horror film which I guess is the same title as the film we're watching, so it's kind of meta in that way. The, uh, the film that he's scoring is called uh, The House with the Dark Stairway, which I think was the Italian uh, title for the blade, A Blade in the Dark. Uh-huh. And so this story it begins with a prologue. You see a group of boys horsing around in a creepy dark house, and uh, they try to get a, one of the kids to go down in the basement after a tennis ball. When he does, they hear a bunch of screams. The ball comes flying back up at them. It's all bloody. And we find out that this is the opening scene in the movie that he is scoring. And uh, so it's kind of a little bit of a misdirection there, which is kind of fun. But then uh, the rest of the film, as we find out, Bruno is kind of being stalked or followed as he is writing this score. He hears things in the tapes. Uh, when he plays them back, uh, he sees weird things in his house, like uh, uh, messages. Um, his porno magazine is getting all cut up, <laughs> which I guess is a sign. Uh, he, you know, he see, he runs into things like uh, he's, he hears noises, goes to investigate them, gets blood on himself. He, he knows a lot of weird stuff's going on around here, and uh, this this villa is run by. I don't know if it's run by it, but it's, he's, it seems like he's renting it out from Michel Suave, who uh, worked on a lot of these films before he went on to direct his own Italian horror films like Stage Fright and The Church, a couple of my favorite ones. Um, he plays the character of Tony in this one. And they keep bringing up, I guess the whole film really revolves around, I, sh- I should have mentioned this earlier, they... The whole film revolves around this name, Linda, this mysterious secret Linda who originally had lived there. You know, he finds the, uh, he runs into some people that knew her, reads diary entries about her, try, and trying to figure out who this Linda is and what, what's her deal. And uh, as the, the plot moves along and uh, he starts to uncover more and more evidence, running into more and more characters like uh, his girl, Julia, who's kind of a red herring in her own right, the groundskeeper who's kind of walking around spying on everyone, being all creepy looking in windows and uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of the synopsis in a nutshell the tensions growing between all these people 
Uh, he, you know, he finds out more and more weird things about his own girlfriend. And uh, as he's about to lock down this secret, something very surprising happens, which we'll get to. So it's pretty, yeah, I, I don't know. We mentioned Tenebrae a couple times. It's pretty standard uh, mystery plot with uh, some interesting musical tones to it. Uh, some pretty girls involved. And Bruno himself, he's, he's kind of pretty. I thought. But, yeah, I, I mentioned that 80s Italian movies were kind of my gateway into the Giallo scene altogether, and this would have been one of the movies I think that would have been right up my alley. I just really en- I, I enjoyed it, uh, as was evidenced by my top ten list. Um, I thought that I, I connect more to the kind of the, the fashion and design of, of these kind of movies. You could tell it's a different decade, maybe, except for when he's in the bathroom. That's kind of a decade previous, a little bit. Um, I thought I thought the weapon of choice was a little strange, but uh, mm. it eventually developed into being a little more menacing. It started out, I think, as just a scalpel or a scalpel box cutter. Box cutter. <laughs> yeah, it's box cutter. Um, the only the only thing I would say is I you know I mentioned that it it is almost two hours long. There is pretty much a whole hour. Or not a whole hour. Well, maybe a little round of an hour. It just drags tremendously, unfortunately. Throughout <clears throat> the middle of the film. With slow kills. Fucking... Yeah. It's I think the second kill is at the halfway point of the film, and there's only maybe three kills total in this in this entire one. So if I'll just mention that right off the bat and people can turn off the show right now and, and decide not to watch it if that's not up your alley, but that's those are some of the the negatives I would I would have towards us just initially in our conversation, but uh, sounds like maybe you guys weren't such big fans of this one. <laughs> well, maybe we should. I think the first thing we should probably try to talk about is the opening scene, which I thought was actually pretty good. Um, okay. Just <clears throat> in the way that the you know the, that little surprise of the tennis ball coming back and hitting the wall. With the blood on it, I thought that was... I, I wasn't expecting that at all. Well, so, I watched it three times, and each time, it's more terrifying than the last. Yeah, I thought it the was... The child's screams are definitely yeah, unsettling. And that's and, and that kid has some amazing hair, first of all. Um, okay, <laughs> let me just say that that's the same creepy little fucking kid from House by the Cemetery. Right. And I hated him in that. <laughs> and so as soon as this movie started and I saw his fucking head and his like, hello, I'm a little child, a dubbed voice, I was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> but thankfully, it was just that part. Yeah, he didn't, didn't make it. He wasn't in the movie for very long, so. In your guys' experience watching these kind of films, as soon as they started chanting, you're a female, Adam, did you know that something was going to go awry? Did well, you know that that was something you kind of would have to pay attention to? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, we, we should all, we can all agree that the English dubbing is absolutely atrocious in this film, right? I it mean, is so bad, but you could tell it was the script. The script was obviously written in English because they, their mouths are moving in English, but like the English, like was awful. Like she's like, "Don't begin! Don't you even begin with me!" 
<laughs> you know, and just like little things like that. It was just off all the fucking time. It was really bad. And it, that was like one of the things that like kind of ruined it for me because I love bad dubbing as long as the bad dubbing are coherent sentences that make sense to people. Right. Yeah. You know, and this was just it. Oh, it was the dubbing was so just, yeah. Doesn't he call his girlfriend a vacant nerd at one yeah. point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to store that one in my Rolodex. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and then there was also the whole thing like, it's a spider. That's not a spider. It's a cockroach. Oh yeah. You know. And obviously. Yeah, it's just like little tiny things like that, like. Well, and that's why I, that's why I brought it up because I think the whole thing of you're a female, they probably kind of thought of a better way to to use a different term that would give the same, like in Italian, whatever term they were using probably gave off a better uh, indicator. Like it was probably uh, uh, it's like it probably flowed and sounded better, <clears throat> but still, um, but like still sissy. Yeah, like, but it still, you know, gave off the same uh, approach. Like, like the whole idea is, you know, put that idea in your head about the female, you know, uh, because it's mm-hmm. going to be revisited later. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It kind of well, throws you it's off. Like because it, when yeah. that whole part, like, you're a female, you're a female started, yeah, there was like, I'm like, oh, I should pay attention to that, I guess. And then when you find out that it's just the movie he's working on then i'm like oh, okay whatever but then when you see the girl getting stabbed through the um chicken wire like in that weird basement or something there's a shot where you see nail polish on the thumb holding the um, box cutter right so that was the thing for me and then just like i don't know it wasn't the most ladylike person walking around I don't know. I don't know how deep we're getting into it right now, but we'll come back to that, I guess. Yeah, I think I don't think they really strove out or yeah went out to hide the fact that the killer was going to be a female, or that they were you know pushing it as a female because there were a lot of touches to the the film that you could tell it was like a, a female hand, maybe or at least painted up like one or. Just the way that it, that the killer acted, so I think that they that was part of it, um, and I guess I never thought about the fact that it was a film. But then when they started saying, you know, they got into it a little bit more. He was talking to his director that he was working for, and she was saying that, well, this whole film is based off of someone I know and their childhood and their traumas. And it's it starts to piece all together towards the end. Which... But then I guess it. My thing is, is it at that point? Why is he the centerpiece of the movie? Like, shouldn't she be the centerpiece of the movie if the director is the one who is like resurfacing the story that was totally traumatic to somebody? Yeah. Shouldn't the person who's doing the damage like go after that person? and make that a bigger deal than, ooh, I know what I'll do. I'll get the composer. Oh, like it's the just, composer it's... has access to the soundtracks, though, and, and 
putting subliminal messages into the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, are we are we starting to talk about like the the ridiculousness of the whole premise of the film now, or do you? I don't, I don't know. Like Eric, tell us where to go. <laughs> what would you like to talk about? Sir? Well, we can talk about uh, the. Uh, I know we were talking about like settings. So I think it it mostly takes place kind of just in one little area. It's not really they don't go into the, the metropolis or into really. Don't go like the I guess maybe the studio where he's working. For the most part, it's kind of just this quaint little uh, area that he lives in, his apartment, and uh, maybe the pool outside. So, I don't. I mean, to me, the whole look of it <clears throat> was just drab as shit. And, uh-huh. like, there were a couple things going through my head. One, obviously, is the Tenebrae um, influence on it. Ding. But in Tenebrae, it was done so much better. Like, just the cold, icy, solitude yeah. look was just really well done in Tenebrae. And this one, it wasn't. And then I was like, going, well, maybe it's also like a thing where he's like kind of rebelling against his father. And his father was always known, like, especially from Blood and Black Lace, the super, like, ridiculous colors. Maybe he was like going, oh, I need to make a name for myself. I'm going to do something the exact opposite of that. And if that's what he was doing, then fucking kudos to him. He did it. But for me, that just, the movie just was like, just ugly. The, but, but if he really the was, clothes he, was ugly, if he really was attempting to do that, he made the film look so much like a, a, an, a like a minor, lesser version of Tenebrae that, it didn't really come through as you know. This is my stylistic reaction to my father's well, I was multicolored to give the movie credit. I was trying to like play devil's advocate, okay. <laughs> you know. But it's just like the wardrobes were drab. The I mean, I don't know how it is in Italy, and this might be another Italy question. But if you have a villa in Italy, the room where the fireplace is at, do you just have a bunch of fucking wood on the floor, <laughs> like. There's so many. I don't understand. I have so many questions about what was going on in the film that you know. I don't know if it's if it's Italian culture or if it's just the stupidity of the way that the movie was set up. But yeah, I mean that was certainly. And just to help Chris out there, if it is Italian culture, he is in no way saying that it's stupid. Right. Yes. Okay. That. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but but the, the next question is: Is it Italian culture to? If you're just a strange woman to hide in someone's closet and then just jump out when you see a spider slash cockroach. I mean, yeah. where like I'm watching this film and I'm trying to pay attention and I, I'm my eyelids are a little bit heavy, but I'm going, where the fuck did this woman come from? And and it's first I start thinking that maybe this is some sort of a shared residence or some kind of a hostel kind of a thing, you know. Um, but it's not. It's the villa that 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 this that Bruno rented it's supposed to be all his and this woman yeah. just kind of showed up and but she's hiding in the closet i mean it, it makes sense that the other girl comes over because there's a pool there and when linda used to live there uh she used to come over for a swim all the time but why is this girl like in the closet and why is her diary in there she it, hasn't seen a man in a while 
And that wasn't a roomy closet. No, it's like a <laughs> locker, you know? I mean, do yeah, do we like even... Whole... Go, go ahead. I was, I was going to bring up another ridiculous thing, but go ahead. No, it's just that whole thing was ridiculous, but go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say... Uh, going back to the the Tenebrae influence, that the first murder sequence of Katia, I think her name was, um, while when she's outside, I mean, if that that sequence reminded me so much of the scene in Tenebrae where um, it's Cristiano Berti and he's coming after the girl whose father is the hotel caretaker, yeah, and she's you know she went into his. Um, she went into his house, or no, it first starts in Tenebrae where the dogs are chasing her, and yeah. she jumps over the fence, and now all of a sudden she's in this guy's backyard, and he's got a pool, and it's got it's it's weird looking, and it, the lighting is a certain way, and it, it looked exactly like that. It was like, if I had turned on this film right at that moment and only looked at it for 10 seconds, I wouldn't have known which film it was. I wouldn't go that far. 10 but... seconds. Five seconds? Two One seconds. Second. Uh, maybe like for a, a brief moment and a memory lapse. But then, um, <laughs> but then the funny part is she, she hides inside the chicken wire. Oh my God, dude. And is not hidden whatsoever. And then she's not locked in, but doesn't run away. Like, no. She doesn't. But was she was were we to get the impression that she was just like being held there against her will, or you know, once once the box cutter like shot through the chicken wire, which is actually kind of a cool visual. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe she feels comfortable in confined spaces. She was in the closet. That's right. She felt safe there. Yeah. Other than that, it's probably just a, yeah, like you were saying, a stylistic choice, probably that defied all logic. Like, ooh, chicken wire, get it's that chick cool. behind there. <laughs> yeah. But like the whole thing that really got me was like, okay, I'm outside now. My phone's ringing. I'm gonna walk as slow as possible <laughs> to get back in the house and answer that phone <laughs> slowly. He knows that the the person calling has nowhere else to go. They're, they'll sit there and wait. Dude, it was just like it was so. That's a big fucking house to be walking that fucking slow in. Well, that's outside, the ne- yeah. that's the next like, question for Al. So, if you know that your friend lives in a villa, and you phone them, you've already paid your jetoni. You don't want to lose it. Um, do you let it ring like seven or eight times, assuming that? They're halfway, you know, across the property, and it's going to take them a while to get there. You know, see, I, I was raised with four rings, and then you hang up. Yeah, because if they don't want to answer it in four rings. Now you're just bothering them. Well, not only that, but I remember like watching soap operas or other types of American TV shows, and after the second ring, it's like, oh, nobody's home. They hung up. You know. Yeah. So and then we also had answering machines that would kick in after four rings. Right. Yeah, maybe we're just an impatient culture. I think so. <laughs> it's a different time, man. Yeah. 1983. I don't know. The The only outfit in this movie that was, like, at all nice or decent. Wait, can I guess it? Can I guess it? Yeah, go ahead. Guess it. Uh, I was going to say uh, the director's green uh, 
outfit. That was, with the, that was number two. With the brown but, boots. But the greens were so bad and <laughs> different shades. It was like, hey, I'm going to wear my faded giant green jumper with my not-so-faded green skirt. <laughs> and I think it was one actual outfit, like one like contained piece. Right. But um, the color was just fucking horrendous. But the bathing suit that the girl had on... Yeah. It was actually a, a very modern, nice cut. Yeah. It was yeah. it was quite enjoyable. She wore it well. Yeah. What kind of a cut is that, would you say? Like a princess? I don't know what the actual cuts are called, but it was very yeah. high on her hips, low on the back door, and it had that nice little runway strip um, where the rusty trombone goes. Oh. So it, it was just pleasant to look at. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. All I can think of is a rusty trombone. Just when you thought that you'd never hear the words rusty trombone uttered in our podcast. Jeez. (laughs) Oh, man, there's like four people running to Urban Dictionary right now. I'm sorry. This was the one episode I told my grandma to listen to. Just make sure you don't click the images link, okay, when you're searching for rusty trombone. Don't click images. And and make sure you're not actually having another tab open hooked up to Facebook. (laughs) Because then they'll start giving you rusty trombone ads on the side. (laughs) (laughs) But um, But I did did think that second murder sequence, the, the swimming girl, I thought that was a good... Over, I thought that was well done overall. I think that, uh, you know, b- starting with the underwater, um, the other underwater sequence of filming and then going up to the bathroom and then the knife in the hand and the, you know, all the stuff that was going on in that murder the bag sequence. And then smashing and then the neck. Yeah. Um, the, the big question that arose here was. Um, she's inches away from a bathtub that has a shower. Why is she washing her hair in the sink? <laughs> right. Like that was she, just my. She didn't want to. I guess she was a power shower. Yeah, I think she wanted to go fast. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of time. Look where that got her. People well, didn't have it, time to do things in 1983. Their their attention span was short. They had to get things done. And yeah, and you should. Oh, wait, that's just contradictory. Yeah, so totally. <laughs> You should be happy to know that uh, the film did get credit for the bathtub, uh, even though the person wasn't drowned in the bathtub. The bathtub participated enough in the murder for it uh, to count as points. So I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fair. Um, that was a pretty good murder scene, I guess. It was almost a little too... Um, I winced and had to look away for a second. Yeah, with the hand, the knife in the hand thing? or No, the hand, it was kind of gross, but it was more of just like the smashing the face on the counter. Yeah. I was expecting yeah. when the bag came off that the face would be a lot more um, gore-gore girls looking. Yeah, it was pretty but, gory. Um, it's a pretty gory scene. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, you know, again, you know, we're going to talk about Tenebrae again, but, you know, um, the Jalos up until, say, 73, 74, they really weren't super, super gory. I think Deep Red was a, started, ish, you know, ushering that in. But Tenebrae was gory as hell. 
Yeah. And, you know, that scene in the end of Tenebrae where um, the girl uh, is sitting by the window and she gets yeah. uh, her arm chopped off. It's it, That's what this reminded me of. But that's all, of. like, samurai looking. This was just, like, brutal. Yeah. You know, like, I'm okay with, like, a fan spray of blood. Like, I think that's funner than anything. You know? But um, this was just, like... It was just brutal. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And then the whole, like... <laughs> and, like, taking the Kleenex and wiping everything down and stuff. That was just... That was great. Yeah. The whole... uh kind of like Norman Bates kind of reaction, right? Like, oh my yeah. God, what's going on here? What did you do, mother? Kind of thing. So yeah, we've talked about, you know, the landscapes, the outfits, got into the killings now. So I guess we could talk about maybe some of the suspects. Well, let me just say before we oh. get away from clothes that I don't know how the hell he was able to take his tucked in shirt off and keep his undershirt tucked in so tightly to his pants that were up to his fucking nipples. That bath his first rodeo creep. Apparently not. <laughs> he must do underwear t- uh, undershirt in the underwear overshirt in the pants. Yeah. That's gotta be how it's done. Okay. I, mean, I figured it out. Never mind. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, that's that's pretty standard practice. I don't know how you guys do it in California. <laughs> we don't have underclothes. It's oh, too fucking hot. Yeah, it's dude. warm. I suppose you don't need. Yeah, you don't need the eighteen layers like oh. Chris and I do. Yeah. I'm naked right now. <laughs> Why don't I doubt that? I have my flip flops on and everything. You are a female. Well, I guess I could say it's it's probably balmier here than it is in Chris's neck of the woods, so I won't complain either. But we'll Suspects. return back to we'll, we'll get back to Italy now. The suspects, I guess there's really only two. One is like the standard creepy groundskeeper, but I think like we said, it's kind of been established that maybe the killer is of the the female persuasion. And so the only other female that we have in this film, other than the the victims, is Bruno's girlfriend, the actress, Julia, who just yeah. kind of comes and goes as she pleases. And we have the director. And the director, right. Um, but she's she's kind of so distant from this all that I guess she doesn't really come in as a red herring, at least not to me. She did to me. Like, really? it was like the whole thing where she was supposed to meet him somewhere and she never showed up and somebody got killed and then she shows up at his house. Like, that yeah. whole bit was a little iffy. And then the whole fact that she's super manly in the face. <laughs> she's got a square-ass <laughs> jaw like fucking Batman or something. And but she like, had some work done. No, well, it's just like, oh, I can see that. May, that might be a dude, like yeah. wearing a a necktie and a pantsuit, like some weird '80s girl. Huh. And then, like, the his girlfriend had the exact same haircut as the creepy little kid that Chris likes his hair. Uh huh. So I was like, oh, maybe she's got a dick. And then I'm like, wait, they had sex, didn't they? Well, they still had their clothes on. They. He ended his pants, and then they were in the kitchen. So right. maybe they didn't get to do the nasty. So that there was all that kind of malarkey. Okay. For me, yeah, I guess that that makes I could see see her uh, possibly popping up as one of those oh. those uh, 
<laughs> uh, like the ones that you weren't really paying attention to it shows up as the killer so um, maybe I'll just put the spoiler warning right here just in case it slips out Boy. as it's prone to do but I mean with Julia the girlfriend she just kind of comes and goes as she pleases like I mentioned um, she says that she has to go back and, and do all these do all this uh, filming or theater acting I can't really remember which one it was 200 kilometers does not baffle this chick at all does not scare her in the slightest right. no of course not <laughs> and uh, there's even a scene when he's kind of laying down in the bed and he lays on a tennis ball amongst <laughs> everything else oh that was so fucking cheese ball <laughs> yeah and then she's, she kind of drops the line well we met playing tennis don't you remember so that's kind of like the, the overt red herring clue whereas like you were mentioning with the director it was more kind of subtle I suppose but yeah there's just this, this tension that's growing between Bruno and Julia as this is going along and he's calling the director finding out that she hasn't been there for a week so where the hell has she been this whole time and as it comes to a close you're wondering is is julia linda or in creep's case maybe he's wondering is the director's real name linda is the person she's talking about who was inspiring but this film actually her linda and so that kind of took her off the hook right uh-huh. so i guess what it all comes down to there's only one is, guy left <laughs> there's there's a big confrontation and it's of course the person who said he was going to kuwait he said should have Kuwait, known that. Right? Yeah, a couple I times. Because I said I it was Kuwait, and um, he said Kuwait, Zoe yeah. was watching it, and she's like, I don't think he said Kuwait. Why the hell would he go to Kuwait? <laughs> he totally said Kuwait. He said it twice. <laughs> Why the hell wouldn't he go to Kuwait? What's wrong with Kuwait? I want to go to Kuwait. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, anyway, that's where our uh, ground, or that's where our the renter of this villa went, Tony. He just kind of mentioned it in passing. But I guess for us seasoned watchers, we should have known. As whenever someone says they're going to... I have to go change. I'm going to Kuwait. He yeah. just had to change into his lady outfit. Kuwait is keyword. Kuwait Jesus means I have to Kuwait my wiener in between my legs and pretend I'm a female. <laughs> right. So, uh... You just came up with a new verb. Pony... He comes out in the whole uh, Norman Bates dress scene, crazy eyes, crazy wig, makeup on the face, uh, tr- going, trying to go all out and stab Bruno uh, instead of doing it all methodically like he did with his other victims. Maybe that could be argued. I don't know. But there's... Oh, this is all on. I mean, this, this final confrontation is it's pretty sad, but there's a, a really cool scene. Adding onto the cheese ball factor when uh, Julia is all alone and she's suddenly bombarded with tennis balls. Right. That was very five dollars for an August moon. If Absolutely. You ask me. I noticed that yeah. right away. I'm like, yep. The old daddy influence. Yeah. But so. if the kid was so afraid of tennis balls, why would he have a giant box of tennis balls? That doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of whys in this film. Yeah. yeah. Not just in the chromosomes. <laughs> All right. Not just so, in the chromosomes. Yeah. Um, 
the the final chase thing was actually kind of cool like julia getting the knife through her chest was kind of cool but the bit where <clears throat> the killer because like oh yeah there's a stack of bricks right here for no fucking apparent reason and he cracks the um dude over the head goes and checks on the girl and then goes back and he thinks he sees him laying there and then all of a sudden he jumps out of the door and he's like ah, 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 ah. That, <laughs> yeah that was a good, yeah that was a good scare that was good there's kind of this whole uh, thing in the plot that's going about the movie about well with the the dead bodies being stored in Giovanni I thought that scene was actually really effective when Giovanni the groundskeeper goes to uh, switch out I think it was the purifier or something like that he ordered a new purifier and opened up the big tank crawled underneath it looked inside and saw that's where the dead bodies were this is what I don't understand a thing like that is normally full of water so he would assume that that was going to be full of water why a million years but he drained it and then opened it up from the bottom yeah I guess he could have done that um, Giovanni, like, he knows what he's doing. But no, he like he opens it, he gets hit with a hand, and then he gets up and he's like, "Oh, I could open it from the top." Oh shit, maybe I should have <laughs> done that from the beginning. Let me look inside. But that's not where you install the thing that he was putting in there. But where the fuck would you install it? I didn't see like a little like. Have you ever been a groundskeeper? Have you ever been a groundskeeper? Association. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Al. <laughs> Al, right. have you ever been a groundskeeper? We need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> okay, sorry. Regardless, I think it's a, a cool scene, only because I'm scared of crawling on things and opening things up and seeing what's inside. That's what yeah. she said. That's what many of them said. That's why he's not <laughs> a proctologist. Uh-huh. But I did really, I, I liked I, that that last scene with the girlfriend being stalked kind of reminded me of uh, Bird with the crystal plumage. It's like, um, I'm going to leave my girlfriend home alone and I'm going to go investigate some crazy clue, some kind of hunch. Now, in this particular case, the hunch was about his own girlfriend, but the killer is now, you know, um, stalking her and she's hid you know, she, she's kind of um, walled herself up inside this room and the knife is poking through the hole. I mean, it, all of that was really very, you know, same end sequence as Bird with Crystal Plumage yeah. with Susie Kendall. So, and here, here is my issue with a lot of these killings. Like, why the fuck is he, if he's mad about the movie, why is he killing everyone who has nothing to fucking do with it? Before he fucking finally kills the director. With the film around the throat, which I thought was a nice touch. But right. if these two girls are his friends, the groundskeeper is his employee, like, and blonde jerk-ass McGee, like, is just some stupid bad girlfriend, like, why are those people getting killed? It's not like they saw anything or, you know, they, they're guilty by association or anything like that. And there so. are no police officers in this film. No. Oh. So there's a lot of murders, a lot of missing persons, 
and not one fucking time ever did anyone ever call the police. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true. I mean, I think he mentioned in passing that they, you know, they're being presumed dead, but they weren't quite sure. I don't know what at what point you bring in the police, but it seemed like the passing of time in this film was was. I mean, the, the movie itself dragged, but it seemed like it was only maybe a day or two. Or If I was three. recording music and I went inside my house where I was recording and all my shit was fucked up, there would be cops at my house in 30 seconds. <laughs> I'd be livid. Right. Well. Yes, he just played the same song on the piano over and over again the entire film, but still, <laughs> I would be upset. Right. He certainly did. I don't know if... If this is an even bigger plot hole, or if I'm just really dense right now, but if all the people knew Linda and talked about Linda and exactly. were friends with Linda, wouldn't they have been able to tell it was just Tony in a wig? Yeah, or at least in passing, go, oh yeah, I know Linda. We go swimming with her. She's got a dick. Yeah. <laughs> How did that not ever come out? I think Chris has the answer to that one. I don't. Oh, damn it. It would, it would have been great if I did have the answer, but I just don't. I don't know. I was stretching. Maybe yeah. it was like one of those tuck things, tuck jobs, like in the Silence of the Lambs. But he, like, as tiny of a man as he is in real life, he's got thick ass ankles and big old <laughs> man hands and Adam's apple galore. Like, there's yeah. no way in fucking hell that this dude would have ever passed as a chick. And then if he went swimming, let's say he did, and his wig fell off, which it probably would, his thin job on top, like, his hair was receding quite bad. Like, I don't know how anyone could have said, oh, man, I just, there's this dude, and I'm just not sure if it's a girl or not. Like, it's baffling me. He says his name's Linda. And he's got a super raspy voice, but I'm confused. I don't understand. Maybe they're just very accepting of his lifestyle. Which is fine, and you can be as accepting as you want, but, you know, you, you see, at see something, him him. you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah. You know, like, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> so after all of this is said and done, I'm obviously not the person who's going to be a stickler for every little thing in the world. I like a pretty cohesive story, at least a little bit, but as long as the movie's fun and it's weird like that, I'll usually give it some breaks, you know? But to me, this movie wasn't fun, and the few scenes that were shocking and disturbing weren't enough for me to go, yes, this was two hours of a good time. Right. Yeah. I'll go, I'll be a little more apologetic towards it. Like I said, I don't know, I just, I'm drawn to this kind of, um, the way that this film is, is set up. Now, I, I did see that it was kind of envisioned as both a film and as well as a maybe a miniseries or a television show. It looks and like they shot a it. TV movie. Yeah, they, they kind of shot it that way, not knowing how it was going to turn out, and then they ended up just releasing it as a, a feature film. So I can see... See, I don't know if that's, I, I don't know if that's the reason why it's so disjointed and not cohesive as a plot. It kind of goes all over the place. But that would make sense because the director would say, 
hey dude this might be a tv show or a miniseries walk really fucking slow yeah we gotta we need to fill some time <laughs> fill some we need to get some more ads <laughs> yeah it's take just your time. Uh, take your time buddy yeah i i don't know if i i just think that i like i usually like lamberto bava's stuff so maybe that's another reason why i just kind of pat him on the head on this one and be like nice effort uh i like I like the kills. I like the music. I like the, the music. music. It's a big one for me. No, the, the music Man. was terrible. It was, it was awful. Are you serious? Yeah, the music was. It was just da na 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 over and over again. It was bullshit. It was terrible, terrible music. <laughs> it really was. If a mandolier sang over it, would it be better? No, I mean, ah. you know, like, like next next week we're gonna do forbidden photos, and then we can talk about a good soundtrack. But this was bullshit. It was just. It, 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 was it a sounded movie. like Phantasm, and but it was it was bad. It was a bad version of Phantasm. Well, I enjoyed the song over and I'm a, over again. Yeah, I'm a I'm a synth geek. I, I like any songs with synths in it. Sure. So that's my that's my own downfall. That's that's fine. I mean, there, there's lots of good synth things to listen to. This there are. I, I would have liked there to be some variation and more music. I'm but still trying to figure out enough money for one song. I, I'm trying to figure out why, you know, the audience is supposed to just assume that even though you're sitting at a grand piano, it sounds like a synth. You know, that's a little bit ridiculous as well. They, 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 a lot of times, they think that the uh, that the audience is just dumb and doesn't really pay attention to. Uh, any of the stuff that you know is related to the accuracy of the musician who's playing. I mean, it's like uh, you know. I, I think maybe it maybe it was the way it was back in the '70s and '80s. But when I watch movies now with musicians, I'm yeah. so used to watching movies like um, American Idol. That's not a movie. That's not a movie. Um, you know, like, did you ever see Shine, that movie uh, about the guy who had uh, mental problems, who was playing the piano, and he played Rachmaninoff, and um, Gregory Rush is in it, I think, and, you know, even, like, um, the film that's up for an Oscar right now, The uh, Whiplash, uh, which is an unbelievably great movie, by the way. Um, that, you know, all the, uh, the, the, the kid playing the drums is playing the drums. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, so I've got this sensibility now where I, I, I look at people who are supposed to be playing an instrument in a film and try to figure out how good of a job the filmmakers did to hide the fact that they can't really play the instrument. Like if you yeah. look at, if you look at Deep Red, um, obviously David Hemmings, couldn't play the piano, but they really never showed him trying to play. And the music is dubbed in well enough to make it look like it's accurate. But I'm going Maybe off he's playing a piano. Yeah, I mean, I'm going off on a tangent, but you know, uh, no, well, I, I was on your hot buttons. I definitely was not a fan of the music. I mean, there's such good music in these jolly um, that this was just like. And like I said, I kept very... I kept thinking of the tall man and Phantasm, and and then I went yeah. and, li and then I went and listened to that, and I'm like, no, this is way better. That that soundtrack is that soundtrack will stay with you for for days after you watch that film. So, 
Yeah, it definitely leaned towards like repetitive horror film music yeah. to kind of get into your head and enjoy this episode. Then, who will? Yeah. Oh yeah, listeners, because it's going to be going. Yeah, that's right. Mess with you psychologically, and that's the point. Yeah, it's going to make you think you're a female. Uh huh. Female. I think I had another point. Let me see if I can remember what it was. Doubtful. Did, did you guys <laughs> did you guys think that the blonde girlfriend looked like one of the Baywatch girls? Yeah, she looked like the girl from Under Siege, but like a hundred pounds lighter. Yeah, like that Steven know. Seagal movie on the boat. What was the what was the name of the girl in Baywatch? She was that. the girl it was the Cindy from uh, the Brady Bunch. No. Really? The little girl Cindy. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Under Siege, Steven Seagal. They're on like the the cruise liner or a military ship. I don't know what the fuck it is, but the whole movie takes place on there. It's like Die Hard on a boat. Baywatch girl. I've never seen Under Siege, but I know what you're talking. I've, I've, <clears throat> I've heard of it. Yes. Dude, you have not lived until you've seen Under Siege, my friend. Yeah, you said that about Sister Ursula, so. No, actually, I didn't say that about Sister Ursula. <laughs> I am going to start. Um, but no, uh, yeah, she looks like that chick. And I'm just trying to figure out, what else is she in? Do we have that information? I don't. And the bathing Do suit I? girl looked like somebody, too. Like, I've seen her in something else before. Yeah. But All I know is that uh, our buddy Bruno is in a film that we might be covering very soon here on the show. New York Ripper. Uh, the, of the actor Andrea Occipinti. I don't know. Played Bruno. He's, yeah, he's in New York Ripper. And then, of course, we talked about, about uh, Mand- I never know how to say his first name, Michele, Michele Suave. Yeah, the, the director, he, he's in this. But the, I don't really think the other actors or actresses did anything of note. Other than maybe some that. character roles in these films. I, I'm sure over. that blonde girl's been in something I've seen. Uh, I'll let you know in just a second. What's okay, her well, name? You'll well, let us know. Well, he lets us know. What was her name? <laughs> Julia Julia. Julia Julia. Julia Dua. She was in... My Pants. Nothing. Seriously? Not really. She was in oh. a bunch of Italian TV shows in the '90s. Yeah, she was in a Fulci movie called. A bunch of called movies where they have small chins and large heads. She was in Fulci's Enigma. I don't know if you ever saw that. I don't know. I could have sworn I've seen her in something else, but I don't know. Yeah, because she looks like the Baywatch girl. She looks like uh, uh, she was the Baywatch a Donna... little meteor. She looks like the Donna. Under Donna D. She looks like Donna Double D. Who's Donna Double D? I thought that Sandra, the girl who played Sandra, was I, that I had seen her in a cannibal movie, but it turned out that it was just her voice that I had heard in a cannibal movie. So, which one was Sandra? The baby the, girl? No, the director. Oh. Yeah. Well, you win some and you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> 
she, do we have she, any other she voice John Saxon in <laughs> Mountain of the Cannibal God? No, so I mean, like, if I were to if I were to sum this up, and I know that you know we, we've kind of gone around and around with this, I think this is not a terrible film. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's a film that I would probably watch again, uh, simply because it's got some effective scenes, it's got some cool suspense uh, sequences. Uh, but it really re- reminds me of Stage Fright in that it you've got these two kind of second generation directors who have been kind of you know the assistants and the gophers for the for the big names the Bavas and the Fulcis and the Argentos for so many years and now it's time for them to come out. Now this isn't Lamberto Bava's first film, but it's kind of the first film he made after Tenebrae, which is clearly a landmark film. Um, for both of these guys, and if you look at Stage Fright, it's the same thing. Like Suave, uh, Michelle Suave. Stage Fright is such a better film. Much though. better, much better than this. But I mean, you can see that it's like I kind of alluded to this on my website that if you were to give these guys like a, a final film school project, that this is probably what they would come up with, um, because you know of all every all the things that they've learned while interning for Argento or whatever it was. Um, this was what would come about. And both of them have gone on to make better films than these. Um, Suave's films that came after Stage Fright were were good. Um, And Bava did Demons, which is a fantastic film, at least I think it is. Um, I don't know so much about Demons 2 being a great film, but uh, it wasn't bad. Um, And Bava went on to do a lot of um, TV stuff, I think. So uh, I don't don't know... um, what that stuff is like and how well received that was uh, in Italy, but I think it's only, it wasn't for export. I don't think any, anybody's seen the Baba TV stuff in America, so. Uh, but that, that's kind of my take on it. I like both of, I, I, like, I like this film. I would watch it again. I certainly wouldn't put it up as an original film. I mean, it's funny that we're, we're contrasting and comparing these, the, the, the two Baba films. Um, the one by Mario that we covered last week couldn't be more original if, if you tried. I mean, it basically broke every rule in the book and just created a whole new uh, movement for this type of film. And meanwhile, you know, next episode of our podcast, we cover uh, his son's film, which really doesn't have a single original uh, idea. So it's pretty interesting uh, how these two have been contrasted. And I think that uh, we should give credit to uh, Creep and Eric for obviously doing this on purpose and putting these two together. Uh, right. Of course. So that we can cover them in this way. So. Well, I give this movie a big V and a... <laughs> so that's what I think of this movie. I'll probably never watch it again if I could help it. And um, it was good to watch, to know, to stay away from it. <laughs> that's, that's my only purpose in life. You know that, right, Creep? It's I'm be. only here to get directions on how to get away from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my bit. It was it was good to watch to know to avoid watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we have any other like faulty evidence of uh, trivia that we could possibly spew on people that's questionable or not? Like with our when we talked about the actors in this film. Mm, maybe 
it was an A cup, but doubtful. All right. That's all the trivia yeah. I have for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think all I was able to dig up is the fact that they didn't know whether to option it as a TV show or a film. and uh, That's actually quite interesting. Yeah. It's out in a couple places, but yeah. This is how it ended up. Oh, the, the one thing I will say that I wanted to say that where the movie for me, like, it was like the final straw is when he's at the studio and he finally puts it together. He knows what's going on and his chicks being chased and all this other shit. For the first time ever, they cut to him driving a car. Like, it kills the pace of the whole film. And he's like, I'm driving a car. Do 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 do. Oh, red light. I gotta stop. Right. And that was well, probably because they didn't have anything in that film that where they ever left the villa. So they had uh-huh. to. They, you know, it's like, well, we got to put some some stuff in here. The, you know. But you know he's gonna go home. You know he's on his way home. You know he's in a hurry. Having to watch him like drive with crazy music playing, intercut with her being chased. It was just. It was that like and it wasn't even intercut it was just like a kind of longer than it should have been bit of him driving a fucking car but here's that but he, <clears throat> we we we, yeah. we get back to my theory of the film school project where it's like you must um there, there's certain criteria that you must include in your final project <laughs> you, you must show some outdoor scenes with a car and uh edit you know uh, do some do some um cross editing if that's even a word uh, <laughs> between um, the action, the suspense action, and the other suspense action. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I mentioned, didn't seem like there was, you didn't, you had no concept of time in this film. So I don't know if they threw that in yeah, there as there well to show. There was when I thought it was night, and then the next thing he's like, I'm yeah. ready for lunch. You know, like, huh? So that, I felt like that being, you know, outside driving the car at sunset, doing the intercut. Um, the different uh, scenes back and forth it felt like that was their way of showing that time was passing and this was there was a funny bit where he I think it was when he was going to the studio for the last time and he was like walking outside and he passed some just random stranger and the guy's like hey hey how's it going and he's like not very good at all but like they never even stopped it was just like overdubbed from like really far away (laughs) Uh-huh. It was so funny. Like so, yeah. There were bits like that where I cracked up, but yeah, I won't begin. I won't even begin. And that's it. Yep. Let's begin. Let's not begin at the end. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. All right. So uh, put another notch on Creep's bed post. And put another notch on your belt, sir, for picking uh-huh. us a doozy. Right. I'm not going to pick anymore for a while. Well, no. None of us are going to pick anymore for a while. Everyone else gets to pick now. Remember? Yeah. got to get one more out of the way. Yeah. And that one more is... Chris, take it. The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. 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 With another great long fucking title. Yep. Yeah. This title almost has something to do with the movie, though, so that's kind of refreshing. It does. (laughs) And it has butthole face. But there was a blade in the dark, so... Yeah, it was a box cutter. No, there was a blade at the end. Yeah, 
He, she upgraded to a blade. Yeah. But it wasn't in the dark. Well, it, it, couldn't have been, it couldn't have been completely in the dark because you wouldn't have seen it. No, I'm not going to freaking argue this with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you already have. Well, then right. I guess uh, yeah, after forbidden photos, we got to dig up that pole and find out yeah. what's next. Um, I'm sure you guys will put it on the Facebook group. Um, I will probably put it on the website too. Because, like, for years now, um, I've been on Facebook and been doing different shows and stuff. And people will say to me, Creep, not everyone's on Facebook. And I would always go, <laughs> Tough shit, you know? Yeah. But now that I have been ostracized from the book of face as well. I'm thinking maybe I should put more stuff on the website. So, um, yeah. So I don't know if I will, but I'm definitely thinking strongly about putting more things on the website. You're thinking about being ambitious. That's all that matters. It's an okay. ambitious thought. It's just yeah. a thought. To be ambitious. <clears throat> so we'll find out. Cool. So, do we have the trailer? Oh, I'm sure I can find it. No, so, I have it. Um, what? This was it. enlightening. I have it ready to go. Oh, you have it ready to go? Yeah, man. Okay, well, let's hit it. Um, here's the trailer for Butthole Face, the movie. <laughs> and until next time, everybody, <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Why do you want to do this, Dominique? Don't let it worry you. You already have enough problems. Thank you. Thank you, Dominique. Sure, they're pure pornography, Commissioner. I do what I like when I'm at my place, don't you? It was such a great pleasure that now you're coming back to pay me. You pig! I met last week. He's real wild. But what if he sold them? Be great. What publicity. <laughs> Undress. Better take her home. I'll see what I can find out. if I borrow this one? My dear, it's yours. Take it, if you like it. But where did you get it? It just came into my possession, you know. Sit down. Sit down! or I'll bring in the police, you hear? I wouldn't advise that. I might let them hear this recording. And I would ask her for her check. Yes, photographer. Peter! Peter! That man! What? Look! 